And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer at the Athletic, and with my co-host, former Braves reliever Eric O'Flaherty. What's happening, Eric? What's up, Dave? A lot, a lot going on with the Braves, man. You would think. Uh, if you were thinking this this is the year that they would kind of be able to stand pat around the trade deadline, it's not. <laughs> Just because they've had a, cons- a bunch of stuff kind of conspired to uh, necessitate some moves, not necessarily huge moves, but just a lot of moves because Alex, as you know, and to his credit, is all about the depth and not being caught with his pants down and not, you know, and, and he's so conscious of the fact that August 1st, it's not like it used to be where you can make uh, waiver deals in August. You can't do it anymore. You're only, you can, the only thing you can do since in the last five years, or four years, is make waiver claims. Yep. And if you're the best team, you're at the end of the claim line. So you're not going to get anybody. <laughs> so this is it. You have a week left to get all that you might think you might need. You know, and that's anticipating injuries and potential guys that maybe are hitting well or pitching well right now that you don't you don't you're not certain will the whole year that kind of thing so in other words he's not just going to stand pat because they got the best record in the majors and keep going with what they've going because uh, uh when you look at what they've been able to do it's pretty crazy man that they've been able to especially the bullpen yeah. they got the second best bullpen era and the lowest whip and the second fewest walks and that's with Dylan Lee one of their best three or four relievers on the I out for more than two months. That's what Chavez being out the last few weeks. Mentor has been on the IL for two weeks. I mean, and one after another, they've had McHugh had a time on the IL. Uh, uh, the closer started. Iglesias spent the first month plus on the IL. Been pretty crazy. They've been able to do what they've been able to do with that bullpen. Yeah, I mean, one benefit they've had is scoring so many runs. You haven't. You've had a lot of games that. Yeah. You could pitch with low pressure, give a guy multiple innings, let guys rest. It's been, I think it's been a comfy bullpen to manage. But still, with that many guys going down and then winning the close games, they've done a great job. But Alex, you know, is not going to just assume that you can keep doing that. So he's not comfortable with where they are as far as specifically having no optionable left handed relievers on the none. Yeah. All they had recently on the on the roster was Lukey. That was it. Cause everybody else has been hurt or is out of options, but basically been hurt lately with, uh, with a uh, mentor out and uh, Lee still not back. So that, that was the reason the impetus for some moves that I can't think kind of left some people scratching their heads and brace fans because, uh, you know, and I understand that. Um, but like they have favorites. We all love Soroka and you don't want to see, you don't want to see the best for him. 
So when he gets optioned, your people are like, hey, he just had a good start and everything. So, But we're all pretty close to it, I think. And if you take a step back and realize why Alex does the things he does, there's usually a reason for it. Nobody wants to see Soroka succeed more than Alex. They've kept the guy around for three years, you know, rehabbing because they had they they know how much huge potential he has. But he got optioned uh, when we were in Milwaukee over the weekend so they can make room for Chirinos, Yanni Chirinos from uh, Tampa Bay. And I think people look at Soroka, you know, why Soroka? He, he just had a good start. Well, he's got options. That's what yeah. everybody needs to remember first and foremost. A guy's got options, so you can send him down. You can't send guys that don't have options down. And they really wanted, they see Torino's out there for nothing. No risk. You're bringing him in. You're only going to pay him about a half million the rest of the year. So they bring him in. Um, and that was just the first of a series of moves. But they had just seen Torino's throw a, a really good inning against them in Tampa Bay right before the All-Star break. Guy can start for you and go multiple innings. So that was, uh, you know, you hate to see Soroka option because you, you want to see him get in a groove, but that was why that happened. Could you ever have imagined his options mattering at all when he got called up? Yeah, you know, his first year and a half. Yeah. You would have never even thought you'd know how many options he had again. That he'd be one of those guys. I just, I hope he's not taking it, you know, as a, Am I? He's too strong. But am I this guy now? Because that's the type of stuff that kind of pops in your head when you start getting jerked around like that a little bit. And I think they obviously really wanted to avoid that. But I hate seeing it happen to him. Yeah, and I mean the other thing is, like I said, we're all close to it, and we all want the best for Soroka. So you kind of get—I don't want to say you—you uh, you get disillusioned, or, 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 or you, you know, you 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 can't see the forest for the trees. But the fact is, they brought in a guy with a four ERA in American League, and Soroka's got a five ERA in the National League. Yeah, I mean, bottom line, and as good as Soroka has looked, how much better he's looked in a couple of his recent starts. It is what it is. He's still giving up the runs. He's still not going deep. He's getting up high pitch counts. He's going deep into counts with hitters and not being able to put them away. So, as a result, he's exiting games earlier than – and he hates it too. You know, he hates leaving games in the fourth inning, the fifth inning. You know, he went six the other day and he was thrilled by it. He said, that's what it's going to be like in the future, hopefully. But that's what I'm accustomed to. And that's what he did all the time before he got hurt. Every time. Every time. That's what he was. Yeah. So it kills him that he's not that yet. And it really hurts him, drives him. But he's not that yet. So, you know, he can go down to AAA and uh, they'll bring him back. It's not the last we've seen in Soroka. Some people ask, you think that's it for Soroka? No. I'm like, no, it's not the last. No, it's not, it's not it for him with this season. He's not. He'll be no. back. He'll be back. Could be back next week. I mean, but they make moves they, ha they can make and they can only use certain guys that, with the options. You can't send down other guys just to make <laughs> – you can't just go – I know fans want to see – some fans want to see performance be the decider of all things. Well, if you do that, you're going to lose all your depth because you're going on performance only. You're yeah. not paying attention to the rules of baseball, which allow you to option certain guys without risking losing them. Certain guys yeah. you opt, you try to send down, you're going to lose them to other teams es that can use that right guy. right now. Like exactly. right now, I mean, if you do it early August, you got a lot better shot. But right now, there's kind of a scramble to to make all these moves. And then once teams have made all these moves, and they're full, and they got this new guy they don't want to let go in two, three days, then you can sneak some guys through and play that game. But it's really hard to get away with anything right now. Yeah, rosters are in such flux right now. Yeah, 
teams are creating roster spots all the time right now. And if a guy like, uh, you know, any of their guys that are out of options, if you try to get them by and send them a triple A right now, they'd be gone. Yep. So, and like a Chirinos, uh, he uh, he couldn't be sent down because he has five years, and you have certain years, and that thing goes away too. That's another one of those rules that you don't have to go down. So that's why uh, he was available to them for, at no cost. So anyway, that's where they were on that. That was just, but like I said, that was just the first of a series of of moves, uh, and that happened when we were in Milwaukee for the weekend. And before we get forget about Milwaukee weekend, there were some really positive developments for the Braves in Milwaukee, man. Yeah. Some really good stuff happened. Um, where do we want to start? For uh, in Austin Riley, oh, we've yeah. talked about when you get this guy going, what he does for a lineup. Well, he is going now, I and mean, it's like he flipped a switch that day that he had the they had an off day before the Arizona series. He met with Seitzer. They talked about, dude, you just need to relax. You're thinking about everything. You know, you're you're thinking about your swing. You're thinking about pitch selection. You're thinking about everything as you're stepping in the box. And as a result, you're not – and he just relaxed. He said, I'm just going to go have fun, play the game I play. And he said he started – he also started, started his swing a little earlier so that he could kind of slow down and – See which, the ball, yeah. Right, which may not make sense if people – but if you think about what he's doing – just as we're talking about a split second. Yep. That he's he just, nothing you'd notice on TV. Right, right. So that he, so that he's able to slow down his whole thing, his mechanics a little bit and keep everything in sync because he does a lot of stuff in his swing. And uh the result has been has just been phenomenal. He had he's NL player of the week named yesterday, and uh he homered in five straight games, which matched the franchise record. He had six homers in that stretch. Which is ridiculous. You that's nobody had done it for the Braves since Acuna as a rookie. Uh, he goes for the week. He goes ten for twenty five. Hits four hundred with a double, a triple, six home runs, sixteen RBIs, and a twelve forty slugging percentage. It's a good month. <laughs> yeah, it really is. He yeah. had had one homer and two RBIs previously in the month in eleven games before he got this hot streak going. This is the things that make me feel like I still kind of know baseball because, you know, with all the new people coming in, so you really question yourself. But I remember somebody asked us, I think two podcasts ago, if they should move Riley in the order. Right. And what was going on with him right. and stuff. And I think I cited that um, MLB video where he was showing uh, DeRosa everything he's doing with his swing. And just I kind of said, you know, this is how easy it is to get into a funk when you know you're swing that well. And sometimes you got to just shut it down and and just swing away. And it was like that night, either you tweeted or somebody said something out that said, Seitzer told him, just swing the bat, you know, shut shut everything down, stop thinking and go play. Yeah. Um, but this is why you don't move them, you know. I mean, it's, it's almost, and it happens like this all the time. And that's the hard part about being a GM or a manager or setting lineups is if they moved him to the seven hole, does this happen? Right. You know, if if they if that if that changes something and in, in where he's at, he's about to explode, and you start tinkering with it and move him. You know, does he get pitched different? Does this hot streak still happen? But a guy like him, you know, he gets hot like this. I think a couple times a season. You know, he goes on these tears. Maybe not this hot. This is crazy. But um, yeah, I'm glad they didn't move him, and he blew up like right on cue. Yeah, that 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 was the game I talked to Seitzer before the game during batting practice before the Arizona game. Yep. I said, "All right, what's going on with the?" That's right. Yep. What's going on with Austin Riley, man? What's up? What's hat? What's wrong? And he said, 
what I said. He said he's thinking too much. He's thinking about pitch selection. He's thinking about where he is. He's thinking about – and I told him – Everything. He said, and we talked in the batting cage before the game today. He's going to relax. He's going to – I told him to go out there, relax, just do your thing and stop worrying so much about where you are, the funk you're in, what pitch they're trying to throw to you. Just go out there and relax and, and focus on the ball coming in. And he erupted that day at two homers. Yeah. And, uh, or a homer and two doubles. Um, and I asked Sites after the game, I said, I guess all I have to do is ask you about a player before the game. He said, I was, he was laughing and thinking of the same thing during the game. <laughs> Who's next but, on the list? <laughs> yeah. But uh, so I guess the next on the list would have been Ozzy. But, but like uh, Snit said about a uh, Rosario, uh, Rosario, Snit said about Riley that he never worries about him because he goes, he's so strong mentally that he goes through these funks now and he always comes out of them. He said, yeah. I'm no, I don't worry about him a bit. And same thing about Ozzy. He does not worry about Ozzy. So Ozzy steps to the plate the other day. He's like 0 for 16. Uh, he had struck out with two on to end the night before in Milwaukee, Saturday night's game, that great game. Uh, struck out with two on in a, in a really good at bat where he hit a couple of foul, towering foul balls, pulled a couple against Devin Williams. So the next day comes up in a huge situation, the eighth inning, they're down. Hits a three-run jack that wins the game for him. Yep. To center. Um that was uh that was they needed to see that from him. That was a nice you know, a little mini funk for him. And he's still got a couple more guys in a little funk. So somebody asked about uh, Ozuna. Jacob's asking about Ozuna and uh, Rosario's struggles lately. I mean, what do you what can you say? I don't know. Uh Ozuna started the season in a deep, deep, deepest funk and then got hot and there was no stopping him for two plus months, two and a half months. Yeah. So I mean, you got to think he's going to. Uh, he hit a couple of balls hard too in that game, uh, the what Sunday game at, at Milwaukee, and he had one robbed the night before by that kid making his debut, Frelick. That was one of the two catches he made against the wall. Was on Ozuna. That was extra base hit. So maybe things are different if that drops. What he's asking. So we'll see. I think it's uh, too too early to really worry. And Rosario was a streaky guy, man. I mean, he gets hot and he carry a team like he did in the twenty twenty one playoffs. Other times he can look lost. So, but, uh, you know, the left field situation, you can, you can afford to have a guy not producing when you got five or six guys going at once exactly. like this. You don't need to have a star at every, every position and everybody clicking at once. I know. They just happen to have that for a month. <laughs> right. And everybody becomes – it says something about how damn good the lineup is when one guy is, having a, a, is in a funk and people focus on it. When, you notice it, yeah. When normally there's two or three guys three. that aren't hitting well at yeah. once, so it kind of stands out. Yeah. But, no, there's no panic. I mean, they don't have to go out and trade for a left fielder and give up prospects to get a left fielder when you still got the best offense by far in baseball. So would they get? Would they add a bat? I think bench bat is the piece you'd want, and it'd be an infielder because right now you got Culberson there. He hadn't played. He, he came in the other day for one at bat, but he hasn't played in two plus months. They haven't used the backup infielder. I think down the stretch, when you're if you're up by ten games with you know a month or two left, I know Snit loves playing the guys every day. That's just what they do. That's what the Braves do. They're old school like that. Teams, all the teams used to do it. Nobody does it now, hardly except yeah. the Braves. But I think he could. It would be wise, I think, to give a guy. Here and there, not necessarily a guy who's slumping or struggling, but just give him a, a rest day here and there. Uh, yeah. And I'm not talking about once every five days. I mean, like once every 10 days, you know. And so it'd be nice to have a, a, a versatile guy 
a good hitter that you could stick into some of those spots if you want to do that down the stretch, a legit guy. So I could see adding a bat there. Uh, Duvall, I know he's been mentioned as possibly coming back to the Braves if you wanted to address left field. But you got to remember, there are no there are no bats for Duvall in center or right because they're playing those two guys every day. Every day, yeah. And also you got Pilar, who's played well when he's got an opportunity. And, I mean, Hilliard's played well when he's had an opportunity for the most part. And if you get a guy for left field, if you get Duvall, I don't know that he's really a platoon guy that you want. I don't know that that's a great platoon. If you could get him for nothing, yeah, okay. But the other thing is, since he's he got hurt, he was Duvall was raking early in the year with Boston. Came out of the blocks great. Was OPS in about 1,000. He got hurt again with the wrist. And since he came back, look at his numbers. He hadn't done anything. So, and and uh, also Boston is like two games out of the wild card spot in a very yeah. doable wild card. So are they going to dump Duvall? I don't know. I don't think so. But so anyway. That's what makes know. this so tough too is there's so many with that extra wild card spot. There's so many teams that aren't going to give guys up that they normally would. Absolutely. And especially in the NL, man. Somebody's going to get in the wild card in the NL with like 86 wins. You know, yeah. so yeah. tough for in the, in the AL. Those those teams are all going to have like 90 wins, I think, to get in the AL. The yeah. Yankees and people like that are fighting for it. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. That was a couple of the things uh, over the weekend, but then the biggest potential development as we're going forward, I thought was the debut of Days Bell Hernandez was phenomenal. I mean, this kid is the real deal. Cuban, 26-year-old right-hander, throws hard and has a devastating slider that he's honed in the last year. He didn't really throw when they when the Braves signed him five years ago. He threw 98, 99, top out occasionally 100. But he threw nothing else, no secondary pitches. Uh, the arm was so good, they signed him. And then he and he developed a little bit of a, of a breaking ball. And Snit said he would have been here last year if he not didn't have Tommy John. But he went down to winter ball, and you look at his numbers. He had like a 20-appearance winter ball season, which is a lot for winter yeah. ball. A lot of innings. Of he was getting multi-inning saves. You know, they were working him. Came back from winter ball with a bad elbow and had Tommy John miss the whole last season, or he would have been in this team already. This year, if you looked at his numbers, three levels in a minor, just dominant. And But he was doing so much at the end of AAA, they had to bring him up. It was. If you count the other day, he struck out three of the four Brewers he faced in his debut. If you count the uh, his last five or six appearances in AAA, 
the dude has struck out 20 of the last 27 batters he's faced. And given up one hit in that span. And he isn't walking people either. He used to walk too many, and he's not walking them now. That's a special arm. He looks like a backup catcher. He looks yeah, about I was just, 35. I was just thinking that. Yeah. And he looks about 35. So who knows? But <laughs> that kid's arm is for real, man. That's a great arm. And that's a that could be a huge ad for this pin going forward. I like I, anytime I see a guy come up and, and throw fastballs by hitters. Yeah. You know, it's everybody's seen a good fastball. But when you can just come up and I mean, I think all three strikeouts he got were on fastballs, but up too. Yeah, one looking and, and two two up that they couldn't get to, but in the zone. Um you find out how good the fastball is, I think, right away. And usually, you know what guys in AAA can hit that too. You know, if you're if you're striking out a ton of guys in AAA, your stuff's pretty good. But sometimes the plate discipline's not there. Um, he's got a nice compact delivery though, which I always like. I feel like it makes it harder to pick the ball up. These guys that have to throw ninety six by flying open, right? And and their body's going everywhere, and you see the ball forever. When you when I see a guy throwing ninety six, ninety eight, and it's compact. It tells me it's going to be a lot harder for the hitters to pick up. And he's another one of these guys. I don't know if it's I don't know if it was apparent because his body he's he's kind of a blocky guy, but he's listed at five ten. He's about five nine. So he's another yeah. of these guys throwing upper nineties. Yeah. And I think the result is he gets the hop top of that zone yep. like Strider, and they can't catch up to it. Yep. It's so different than these six four guys throwing ninety nine with coming down at them. You know, it's just and they got that launch angle swing. It's it's yeah. huge for these guys that are under six feet that throw that hard. It's a real advantage, I think, right now with with the with the uh, swings that are in vogue. Yeah, and it's just so much more rare. You know, I mean, so much of throwing hard is having a long lever to use. You got to just be a fast mover to throw ninety six, ninety seven at five nine or whatever he is. Yeah, yeah, or just a powerful dude. And he is powerful. He's he's put. Together, I mean, he's a big dude. He's strong. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had that. You had that going. And then you have another debut. You had two more debuts. You had a debut two in the same game. Alan Winitz, who I didn't, I was like, okay, well, I, I was stunned when they said they're bringing him up to start just because he's been at AAA all year, putting up good numbers. And I just assumed they didn't think his stuff would play at the big league level because he throws, you know, 90, 90, 91. Yeah. But he throws four pitches. I mean, he's another throwback, kind of like Bryce Elder that hitters just are not used to seeing. And he locates all of those pitches and he's fearless. He's a skinny kid that looks, you look at him totally unimposing, but he got out there and pitched a really good game for four innings. He was outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. They zeroed in on his off speed a little bit that, that last inning he pitched, but I thought he, I also think, you know, there's something good about him is he's got those long levers kind of. Yeah almost flying everywhere, distracting you. But it, I thought his breaking ball was really good, and I thought he pitched really well. You know, he was actually pitching. He didn't just go out there and try to overwhelm him with stuff. So that was a nice that was a nice uh, debut for a guy that they, uh, you know, gives them some more depth going down the stretch. They optioned him back, but he very easily could have stuck around if they didn't need the roster spot and made another start because, he. I mean, he earned it with that performance. It was solid. It was really good. Um, That's a bummer to go pitch your ass off and head back right. to the net. But for a guy that's bounced around like him, he can I mean, handle it. And the cool thing was they let him know early enough he had all his family there. Parents, wife, uh, cousins, brother. He had like nine family members and friends there in Milwaukee. So that worked out well. He got there the day before. 
So he was able to walk around, spend some time with the guys in a clubhouse. I think that really helps those guys rather than the guys that just fly up that morning. They let them know the night before. They stay up all night packing, stressing, Dude. excited. Night and day. And then they got a pitch the next day. I just think it really helps them to get there a day before. and It's sleep. night and day to walk in and and you don't even have your stuff yet. Yeah, you, know, and you, you don't get to do any kind of warm up or have any routine to your day. You scrambling for your uniform. You jog out to BP late. Got to play catch with a bullpen catcher or anybody that will. You know, like your whole program's thrown off. But when you show up the day before and just get to say hi to everybody and get that part out of the way, yeah. And then the next day, you don't have to do any of that crap. Everybody's met you. You just come in. You have your uni. You have a normal day. It's huge. Got to sleep in the five star hotel. Got to eat the spread. Got to talk to some guys. See how they still Milwaukee. staying at the ghost hotel. They didn't. They moved. This is the first year. Uh, I think first or second year. No, first year at a new hotel. They actually stayed. I where I stayed uh, in the same town. Not I didn't stay in the hotel. They did, but uh, in Wauwatosa, which is west of Milwaukee, instead of downtown, is east of Milwaukee. So a mm. uh, real nice hotel and kind of a, with a mall near their, their, their uh, area and everything, but uh, really easy in and out. But no, when the electricity went out last time, the Braves were there at the, at the haunted hotel, the Fister, <laughs> that was kind of the end of the line for the Braves. Yeah. And word got out or somebody tweeted something about uh, that. Uh, the electricity got out and players were having to go like six flights of stairs. And Snit said he got three emails from, Managers of hotels that said, stay at our place. We'll take care of you. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that was the end of the line. You know, there were some players that uh, – there are other teams, obviously, that staying at the Fister, but some of them moved. Uh, but there were players on certain teams. I think the Braves have had a couple of them that did, would not there. stay at the Fister. Yeah, they stayed at their own – they've made their own accommodations or had the team make some other accommodations because the, they were they were convinced it was haunted. They believed the story, so – I don't know if it would have happened to me if I hadn't heard all the stories, but I always stayed in the, the – they had like a new tower and then they had the old one. Yeah, right. I stayed in the new tower. I didn't think anything of it. And when I stayed in that old tower, <laughs> I walked into my room and got goosebumps and was like, you know, don't don't psych yourself out, but this is a little eerie in here. You know, I that's, think it's just so old. Yeah, that's like in San Francisco. They had the new and the old tower, the West and St. Francis there. Yep. Very different one. The new one's really modern rooms and the old one's uh, – Nice, but really old that you would believe if somebody told you it was haunted. Uh, and you hear pipes and everything, you know, in those old places that are yeah. making noises and you can you can tell yourself that it's haunted. Yeah, uh, it's easy to do. So, uh, yeah, but in the same game, in the same game, another another potential big down-the-line development. Forrest Wall makes his debut. They brought him up last week, the blazing outfielder. He He's comes third in. third on two pitches. He comes in to pinch run in the uh, in the ninth inning. Devin Williams pitching and steals his first and second bases on the first two pitches. I mean, major league debut, and it wasn't even close. Either one of them didn't even throw on the on the steal third, right? No, he's got a great jump. I mean, he's got great speed, obviously, but he's also honed his base stealing. He had stole forty five of forty nine. At Triple A, forty-five of forty-nine. So he knows what he's doing. I mean, he studies yeah. pitchers, and he had looked at a video in the dugout. I asked him about it the next day. He had looked at video in the dugout of uh, Williams' move and all that. So, and he and I think Contreras was behind a plate. So you know, 
Okay. But uh, so he had a good idea what he was doing. And Snip puts him in there and he said, go, just go in there and run. That's why we're putting you in there. So he did. And it takes balls, I think. You know, I mean, if you want to make your major league debut and get yeah. thrown out a second. Yeah. You've been in the game for one pitch. <laughs> and then there's, there's two out and he's at third. And a one-run game, and a ball squirts away from from the catcher. And he started to go, and a ball kind of hit the umpire in the leg. Otherwise, if it goes another five feet. He's scoring. He said, I was about to go, man. And then he then he shut it down because he saw it kind of slow down and hit the ump when, after it hit the ump, so he didn't go. It would have been a close play either way. But he said, "You just, I just know the situation. I can't get thrown out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But uh but but man, it was it was kind of that revelatory speed, that game changing speed that with roster restrictions where you can only have so many pitchers on the roster, 14 is I think it is right. That that extra that that makes it legit on a 26 man roster to carry a guy who is a legit stolen base threat anytime you put him in. You can have a a, a base runner for a roster spot if he's that good. And oh, especially, yeah. and especially postseason, where you have off days, I mean that's a no brainer. This kid will be on the postseason roster. I mean, that would shock me. He would have to have an injury not to be on it. He's he still second and third, and gave himself about a ninety eight percent chance of being on the postseason roster. Yeah, he's and on it. It was in less than a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's on it. So, but that'll be huge in a postseason game if you can stick this kid in ninth inning, extra innings, whatever, close game, eighth inning, you know. And uh, and have him go. They're just uh, there aren't many guys that can steal like this. So now you got him and you got Acuna. You got Acuna's leading the majors in stolen bases, and he's got a really good success rate too. I just I think about what do you know about Dave Roberts' playing career? That bag he stole. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, absolutely. What else can you? I don't know much else about yeah. it. But I know he stole that bag. That's how big it can be. Well, and back in the day, there were a few teams, you know, the Pirates, uh, the few teams had carried a base stealer on a roster, even when they weren't expanded rosters. And, you know, you didn't have the limits on the pitchers and all that. There was a couple that in a postseason that did uh, that did some damage. So that could be a game changer. And, uh, and what a kid he is. Great, great guy, man. Everybody loves this kid. Humble, modest, uh, unassuming, really good personality. Yeah, he's fit, he fits right in as long as they're going to carry him. I don't know. I don't know if they plan to keep him, you know, for, but he'll be back for postseason if he does get sent back down. So is, what's the rule? As long as you've been up by a certain date, you can be on the postseason roster, but you can't call up a 40 man guy in like middle of September and then throw him on, right? As long as you're in the organization, you're in the 40 by that date. You can, and anybody in the organization is actually eligible. Because you can replace injured guys with anybody in the organization. They don't even have to be on 40. Oh, okay. So that's pretty easy to get around. Yes, it's easy to get around. Basically, it's anybody in your organization by that date is eligible to play in the postseason. So he's going to be there. Yeah, Terrence Gore is a good one, too. Terrence Gore, yeah. Yeah, he's going to be there. That's a spot you can count on. Um, How do players get paid who are called up for one game? It's just prorated. It's nice. Yeah. I mean, I think, shoot. I mean, I, I remember when I got called up, you know, in the minors, you're getting a paycheck for like six, 700 bucks every two weeks. And I got called up on the 15th. So it was payday. My check was like 4,000. 
wow. <laughs> you know, so just one day it makes. So for a lot of these guys, I mean, if you get called up for just a couple of days, I mean, you get your whatever day of service, but really the pay is it's so much more than you make in the minor leagues. I know it's, it's been tweaked a little bit, but it's still not even close. So you get paid for however many days you're up and it just comes through on your next check. And just that's prorated league minimum. And that spread and the hotel and the per diem. Yeah. Yeah, that's a – yeah, those guys, when they get to come up and stay for a few days, man. It changes their living. whole season sometimes. You know, they're I mean, you, you got guys that might be making 20 grand the whole year, and if they're up for a week, two weeks, they make that already. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Aaron, I just wanted to get to a couple of things that they've done trade-wise. Okay, the big ones yesterday. Come home yesterday on the off day thinking, okay, I'm working on this off day story. I'm doing everything. And boom, boom, Alex is on an off day. That's his, man. I don't think he likes to distract from the team, you know, playing on a day. Plus, he's, a you know. Watching but the games. You give him an off day a week from trade deadline. Oh my God, he gets to gets work. Gets to work. So they make two moves yesterday. And not many teams have made a, a trade yet, and he made two yesterday with a huge no. One of them was really, I think, significant though. They re, they traded for two relievers. They trade for Pierce Johnson from Colorado, and I thought Pierce Johnson, Pierce Johnson. I remembered San Diego. That's mm-hmm. where he was really good. Yeah. He's done nothing in Colorado this year, but the six ERA is a little misleading, too, with Colorado. Anyway, they traded for him. They gave up Victor Vodnik and Tanner Gordon, two right-handed minor leaguers. Victor Vodnik is about a number, a 15 to 20 prospect in the Braves' top 30, which, you know, considering the Braves' minor league system is ranked in the bottom three or four, to be about 20 is not real high on the – he's not a top 100 or anything like that in minor leagues, not even close. Yeah. So they didn't give up a whole lot. Uh, Tanner Gordon was not in the top 30 at all. Uh, to get a guy, Johnson is 32. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. I saw his service time and I thought, okay, they got a couple. You just control him. But no, it's in his contract. He's a free agent after the year. But uh, how does that work out? It's in his deal, man. So you must have got DFA'd or something by San Diego? I don't know what it was. I didn't go further. I just was told it was in his yeah. it's in his con. He's going to be a free agent, huh. but he's got uh, a six ERA and forty three appearances, fifty eight strikeouts, and twenty five walks and thirty nine innings. This guy's got a great arm. Um, they think that they hope that they believe that working with the Braves, using their analytics, getting out of the you know back out of the high altitude, 
yeah. that he can have be closer to what he was in San Diego where he had a 3-3-9 ERA and 102 appearances from 20 to 22. He had 125 strikeouts with 44 walks and 93 innings with San Diego. So that's a big arm. They DFA'd Lucas Luque we were talking about. He's been hurt and not pitched very well. They DFA'd him to open a spot for him. Um, it's interesting. If you look at his numbers, his, uh, his splits, high altitude and road splits, much better on the road. Much better. And more importantly, maybe, he started out the year in the closer role only because Bard, remember, met on the IL mental yeah. stuff? Yeah, anxiety and all that. So Bard went on the IL. He started out in the closer role, really struggled in the closer role in some outings, and had like a 7-5-0 ERA in the closer role. And I broke this down yesterday in the story. I'm just fanning down to my uh, – here it is. He had a 7-2-3 ERA, 5-18 opponent slugging percentage, six homers allowed in 25 appearances in high altitude. Has a 4-11 ERA, 2-78 opponent slugging, 2-78 compared to 5-18. One homer allowed in 18 road appearances. I mean, his road numbers have been fine. Yeah. ERA a little high, but the other numbers have been fine. Okay. Then the closer thing I was talking about. He started out in the closer role. Had a 7-5-0 ERA, 9-58 opponents OPS in 24 innings through June 8th when he was filling in his closer. Bud Black came out and said he's not going to be the closer anymore. They took him out of that role. What he's done since then, 3-6-0 ERA, 7-39 opponents OPS, 15 innings, 25 strikeouts, and 8 walks. That's not bad. No, not at all. And get this, among pitchers, National League pitchers with 30 or more innings, that's starters or relievers. He's tied with Josh Hader. He was at least going into yesterday. Tied with Josh Hader for fourth in strikeouts per nine innings, 13.3A. Only guys he's behind, Greg Kimball, 13.39. Alexis Diaz, 13.50. And our own Spencer Strider, 14.58. So the Braves now have two of, two of the top four with Strider and him. That's what jumped out to me when I saw his numbers, you know, just combing through them a little bit. I'm like, that strikeout rate's been high every year. Um a lot of traffic on the bases. I think, you know, the, the way I look at it, he looks like he had a rough year last year with San Diego and probably got DFA'd. I couldn't really find anything there, but somehow he signed a one-year deal with Colorado, and it's like that's mil. almost almost career suicide. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Coming off a rough year trying to go fix yourself in Colorado, that is the toughest place to pitch. And what makes it tough, I saw a question over here about, you know, what it's like to pitch in course Field is it's not just – adjusting to course Field, but it's you go back on the road, you adjust to that, and then you got to adjust again. You're going in and out of right. that impossible weather. And what happens at Coors, it's it's kind of nuts, but it's like the air is so thin, the ball just can't grip it to do anything. You throw two seamers and they cut. You throw your slider and it spins, and you wind up almost just guessing for feel half the time. You know, you throw, mm-hmm. a, you throw a slider and you feel like that was a good one. You feel like you do the exact same thing. You know, if even if you're really in tune with your mechanics, you're like, I didn't pull off that. I finished it. I did everything I was supposed to, and it just spun middle. And the guy torches it. Yeah. So it's hard to ever, like, really pitch with confidence there. The only guy I know of that has kind of hacked it and figured it out is, I guess, Lance Lynn just throws one-seamers there. And a one-seam is like a two-seam, but you turn it a little crooked so only one's catching. Uh-huh. And he just lets it do whatever it does. He doesn't even try to really aim. He just aims the sides of the plates. If it cuts, it cuts. If it sinks, it sinks. 
but that is the toughest place to to really figure out especially if you're trying to find it if you're trying to come back from yeah. a rough year and figure it out i mean you could have a good spring and go there and be feeling good about it it's like hey guess what everything you worked on throw it out the window because the ball is going to do what it wants and add to that they're sticking him in the closer role right you stepping in there trying to you know and he hadn't done it before not much at all and he put up the they did he was in the closer role early in the season when games at Coors can be a nightmare. You're pitching yeah. in cold, it yeah. can be rainy, it can be sleet. I mean, but the wind and the cold, especially early on, even with the humidor, the ball gets those balls are are they can have like no feel at all, right? When it's like yeah. in the thirties and windy. Yeah, and it's hard to pitch in cold weather alone, you know, without the the altitude effect. You just feel like shit. Right. So I think you had to throw all that out and go with what he's done, you know, since the weather got normal there and what he's done on the road. So we'll see. I, I, I think that they have a chance to have to have picked up a guy for a really low price. They didn't give up. I mean, Vodnik at one time we thought was going to be a factor, but he really hasn't developed into what they hoped he would be. Yeah. So the fact that he was still that far down in the system and hadn't got really gotten a look up here tells you plenty because they've needed some arms. Well, so, and if you're throwing a guy that had a five ERA last year into your closers role to start the season, your bullpen's probably not super deep to begin with. So he's probably had to be put in some positions he might not have been ready for this year throughout the year. But now you're coming to a strong bullpen. You yeah, know, you can you can place him in spots to succeed and build his confidence back. Alex said Alex Anthopoulos said yesterday about about him when we asked about uh, I asked about Johnson. He said on why they got him. And I said, was it, you know, did you also look at the numbers since he became, a, a, was moved out of the closer role? And like Justin asked him about, you know, the splits between, you know, Coors. On the and, road. And, yeah. And Alex said, I think it's just a combination of things. We look at the, we looked at stuff. We like the stuff. We looked at his past. He had success in the past. Again, you're look, we're looking for more swing and miss from the right side. And he provides that. We weigh all those things. We're looking at everything that we can and we're optimistic and hopeful that he can get the reliever that he can, we can get the reliever he was prior to the current year. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of value in a strikeout reliever. There's just situations late in the game. You know what? Even if they have a high walk rate, you have an open base or two, but you cannot let this run score. And really there's one out runner on third. The only way you're really getting out of that is with a punchy. Yeah. Sack fly scores on ground ball might score him. But if you could bring in a guy, he walks one strikes out one and then gets a pop up. You're out of it. I asked Alex, like I said, uh, okay, considering Daysbell Hernandez's debut, and you get these two guys, are you set now with the pen? Are you are you happy with yeah. that? And he said, no. He said yeah. if it was one inning, he was talking about Daysbell. He said it looked really nice. He looked good. But again, we have a long way to go. Think yeah. about it. We have two and a half months, and even if you get to the playoffs, you lose guys in the playoffs. True. Yep. We've had plenty of guys over the. We've lost plenty of guys over the years in the playoffs, or before. He said, we lost Dansby Swanson before the 2018 playoffs. We lost Chris Martin in the first round of the 2019 playoffs. That was, remember how devastating that was? Yep. We lost Adam Duvall in 2020. We lost Jorge Soler and Charlie Morton in 2021 during the postseason. Yep. We lost Ian Anderson down the stretch last year. At the end of last year, Max Fried was not feeling well and Strider was hurt. It's like, he's got all this in his head, just off the reels and off the top of his head. So, you know, that's what he's thinking when he's looking at these trade potential going, you can never have enough. I can't even remember what I did this weekend. Yeah. yeah Cam asked me how my weekend was. I was like, I don't know what day it is, but the guys like Alex, like he really impressed me when he's on our podcast, how much he could just pull 
you know, out of there like a database versus having yeah. to like think about it or look it up or say, what's that guy's name? It was just all on tap. Yeah. I mean, you got in the, in today's game, today's GM, it ain't like it used to be where it was so much more baseball instincts, who you know, being able to call. You got to have that, but you got to have an analytical mind and be able to yeah. remember stuff and be able to do stuff. That or surround yourself with a five or six guys that can be there all the time and tell you, fill in the stuff. But if you've got it in your own head, yeah, that's a nice advantage, man, when you can be as smart as this guy with numbers. Yeah, and this gives them, you know, I would expect to see all these guys make multiple appearances before the deadline. Even if it's a, a you know, a situation that you're like, I'd rather have, I'd rather have so-and-so in, one of my favorite relief. It's like, well, they want to, they can get some answers doing it now that, you know, the more we talk about it, it makes sense why he would do it now is to get a good couple appearances, look at them and kind of meet the guys and get your hands right. on them and see, do I need to make more moves or right. it'll influence some other stuff. That's true, man. You still got a week to do more. Yeah. And he's going to do more, I think. I think they'll add another reliever. Um, and I think that they could, I think there's a good chance they add a bat, probably a utility type bat. I think they do that. Uh, starting pitcher, I don't think it's a big need, but I could see adding one just again for the depth. But I, especially with the, a couple of guys that have made, like the, like the kid that made the start the other day, I think they've got enough to piece it together and they know that going to the postseason, they're only going to need three. But, you know, they also know that Strider got hurt last year in the last month and, and Freed got sick. And it really crippled them in the postseason. So if they went out and added one, it also would not surprise me. You know, yeah. Whether that's I just, a Lance I don't Lynn think you could add like somebody. That. Well, Lance Lynn, somebody like that would that would convince me. You know, but just making a move to make it right. Charlie or Strider gets hurt. You know, that's hard to. It's hard to make any trade that gives you the same odds. Right. Um, and there's and there's so few impactful starters. And Ever. so many teams that are looking for them. And the yeah. Braves are not one of the teams with that as an urgent need. They're also not a team that's got a ton of prospects that are major league ready. And even though the Braves have shown again and again that their minor league system is a lot better than it's rated by some, because they've got these guys coming up like Dazebel Hernandez. It's like, yeah. okay, why wasn't he? A, I know he's 26, but he wasn't a top 100. But they've got so many guys coming up like that that can help them. But when it comes to making these trades – Teams do look at those top 100 lists and that kind of thing. They want to be able to tell their fan base, we got his number 20, we got the number 26 and the number 30. And if a guy's outside the top 100 or he's the 20th prospect in the Braves organization, that doesn't look as good as trading for a guy who's one of the top five prospects in an organization. So that's the kind of prospects that these teams that have starters that are tradable, they're looking for those guys. Yeah, if you want an impact starter at the deadline, you get destroyed. I mean, you just, you got to give up so much more than they're worth. And Alex is not going to do it. He's not going to overpay. The other thing is, the other development, Max Fried makes one more start probably. It's, uh, he's going to start tomorrow night, Wednesday, uh, with Jackson, with uh, Gwinnett at Jacksonville. And if all goes well, I fully anticipate he's going to be activated after that. It'll be his fourth rehab start. He'll be up to about 80 pitches probably. Uh, he felt great after his last one. Gave up a couple of home runs, I think, at the at late in it, but he felt great and stuff was good. He's throwing hard. So he'll be back. Uh and AJ Mentor makes appearance makes his first and probably only rehab appearance tonight, also at Jacksonville with Gannett, with Gwinnett. Nobody's home this week. That's why they're all going on the road with him. Uh, and AJ's first day eligible back, I think it's Friday. I think he'll be activated that day. So because it was just it was tightness. 
you know, he had, he's only been out two weeks and, or less than two weeks right now. And, uh, and he feels good. And that will be a huge addition, obviously. Max, <laughs> Max will be major having him back in a rotation. And all of a sudden, I think all this depth that you've been able to, 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 to build by getting guys an opportunity to pitch in the bigs and then the guys you've added, all of a sudden, I think their depth is going to be about twice what it was. Yeah. When you get some of these guys back. And Dylan Lee also progressing. It's taken a long time, a lot longer than they thought for the shoulder soreness. You know, shoulders are just, as you know, are cranky, man. It ain't like elbows. And it can be, it's mysterious sometimes how long it takes. He's been out over two, two and a half months, but he's throwing now off the mound and he can make a rehab appearance real soon too. I got, my shoulder's been bothering me for two months to, and I didn't even do anything. You know, it's like I've done all the rehab I'm supposed to, all the stuff that worked for me in the past. Yeah. And I throw two or three times a week anyway, whether it's with my son or just messing around. Two months ago, something popped up and it's just been shit since. You know, it's like any other injury you have, you kind of just lay off it and it gets better. But there's so much with like how your shoulder's sitting in the joint. You know, am I doing the wrong upper body exercises? Is my posture bad? You know, so much can piss a shoulder off. And, you know, we've all got, especially a major league pitcher, you've got enough wear and tear in there that there's some kind of fraying in your labrum. Yeah. It's like you piss that thing off. That's why, I mean, that's a lot of times why you go to a cortisone shot or something like that because it just knocks it out and you reset it. But yeah, shoulders are complicated and they can just, they can linger for an entire season. You know, it it's can like be up Kyle and down. Wright. Yeah. Like Kyle Wright he had the cortisone shot in January for something that was lingering and, 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 and had been a problem to a lesser degree for a while. And he got the cortisone in January and it kind of masked it for a few weeks and he started throwing at spring training eventually. Um, and then it started aching again. And so now he's throwing again now and he's, and he's, He's comforted by the fact that it's the first time without anti-inflammatories, without cortisone, that he's had the shoulder feels much yeah. better and he's able to throw. So that's why he's really hopeful of coming back for the September stretch, Kyle Wright, because it's not barking again. And he's been doing, you know, increasing it, throwing 120 hard flat line, yeah. starting to throw off the mound, the slope, uh, the short box, they call it and all that. So, and he's so far, no problem with the shoulder and he's not on cortisone and that kind of thing. So he feels... It's for him. It was a relief because you start to, as a pitcher, start to worry about. Okay, there's obviously something in there that I might have to get surgically repaired. So yep. if he's able to start throwing and all that without, because cortisone masks that stuff. Yep. And it gives you a false sense of security, especially if you've never gone through it before. You get a shot, all of a sudden you're like, okay, all right. And then when yep. the cortisone wears off, if there's a, something in there significant, it's going to start barking again. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like after that shot. If you feel nothing at all, you're good to go. But if you feel just a little something, yeah. it's only going to be downhill from there. Because the cortisone is just, I mean, it's just allowing you to do what you want to do without as much inflammation. But the inflammation is going to come back. Right. Right. I, I Like I've had elbow stuff that bothered me for a whole season. It didn't affect me one bit. It was just like, ah, it hurts when I start throwing. You know, sometimes when I wash my hair, I get a little sharp pain, whatever. Once I'm loose, I'm good. Shoulder stuff is like. It doesn't, it doesn't, once I'm loose, I'm good. That doesn't happen. It keeps hurting through every single throw. I had it my last two, my last two seasons, uh, pitching. I just terrible shoulder pain, did all the stuff I was supposed to. I had, I know I had a torn labrum, but it wasn't a bad tear. It's a slap tear. Yeah. And nothing we could do rehab wise to get it better. And then I just stopped throwing for two years because I retired and I picked up a ball and it was like, holy shit, I think I'm making a comeback. 
but <laughs> that's kind of like how the shoulder works is you, th- you piss that thing off and there's so many things going in there. It's like your bicep tendon, your lat, your pec are pulling it in different directions that a lot of times it's like a lifestyle habit or an exercise you're doing. And it could be one little thing, just a little tight muscle in the front of your pec can pull your shoulder into a bad spot. Yeah. And unless you, I mean, it's almost like a guessing game. I remember Bubba used to say when a guy would come in with shoulder stuff, he'd ask him if they were doing triceps. If they said no, he'd say, you start doing triceps. If they said yes, you stop, stop doing it. triceps. <laughs> that was like his way of telling you, I have no clue. Like we're, we're yeah. going to do the treatment, but anything could be leading to this. Yeah, that's funny because you stopped on for two years. So you probably had like the little tear. It's got time mm-hmm. to like heal and scar tissue and just kind of, yep. it's not ideal, but it gets, it comes together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you tried to pitch, it would have just stayed shitty. Right. It's, uh, yeah, the shoulders, man. The elbow is just so much preferable. It's so much more proven. The, the techniques to fix an elbow are just so much better. Shoulder, yeah. you just never know. You never know if a guy's going to come back, if he's going to come back. at. And that's the thing is he could come back like with an ACL and a knee and a, and a Tommy John. You pretty much know if the guy does all the rehab and everything, he's going to come back at what yeah. he was if he's a young guy, a young guy. Yep. With a shoulder, you don't know. He might come back at 85% of what he was, you know? Yep. And there's, there's a lot of guys that have that first shoulder surgery, and they gain like five to six miles an hour. Mike Gonzalez, Tony Watson were guys that I remember playing with that were like, I threw 92 before I had my labrum fixed. And then they come back and that thing's anchored in there really strong and they're right. throwing 97. But there's also other guys I remember playing with in the minors. A guy named Randy Fry hurt his shoulder. This dude went from 95 to like 84 and he was under the ball throwing it uphill. And he was out of the game. I think high draft pick, out of the game in like two yeah. years. Never even got a shot. But yeah, it's a – we'll see. I mean, I, I think they're doing the right thing, not rushing Kyle back. And he did yeah. the right thing bringing it up and with Daw the same there uh sorry same thing i mean you get yeah. that you get that shoulder flared up Dylan Lee you got to take your time yeah. with it yeah i think it's part it's been it's frustrating i'm sure for them you know you're like you're feeling okay when you're throwing but they are being overly cautious because uh they know if you come back and they have to shut it down again then he's done for the year yes so they'd that's rather, what you want to avoid they'd rather wait another month with Kyle Wright and and reduce the chance that he's going to have a relapse with it and hopefully get him through the rest of the season and postseason rather than have him come back and again have to go on the IL. Because then you're like going, okay, that's a cortisone shot and then that's two IL stents. So now we got a problem and you're done for the year. Well, and even Dylan, if it's not a cortisone shot, it's still, I mean. And, and Dylan Lee is Dylan Lee is, is too crucial to the pen to have him come back and have that happen again. So, you know, and these guys – to these guys' credit, they're being honest because you could probably lie and just say, it feels great. It feels great when you got a little bit of a soreness in there. That's what I did. Yeah. That, that's why I was out of the game at 32. And if it's not showing up at the MRI, you know, well, not everything shows up on those. And and that if they don't have a reason to give you an MRI, if you're saying it feels great. Exactly. It, you know, then you're going to get back out there. A lot of times, though, like when I signed with Oakland, yeah, I did my full physical and I was coming off of Tommy John, first of all. So I'm like, you know, worried about that. But I kept, I do the physical and the trainer pulls me in. He says, so we got some bad news about your shoulder, you know, and I just start sweating bullets. Like, fuck, I need this deal. They were giving me a two-year deal coming off of Tommy John. I barely even had any other major league offers. And the, the trainer said, Nick Paparesto said, you got a slap tear in your labrum. And my brain just immediately goes to, well, sign right. a minor league deal. 
Right. And I was like, so what do we do now? He's like, oh, nothing. I just did. I want you to know that's in there. It might pop up at some point. And I said, so that's, you know, kind of the deal still good or he's like, yeah, we see it all the time. And I thought you should have torn labrum. You're just done. But then he went on to tell me that even like, I think this was back when Huddy was with Oakland, his labrum was hanging on by a shoestring and he wound up pitching 15, 20 more years. Yeah. So it's just kind of, I mean, you can have these things going on in your shoulder and elbow and these joints and not feel a thing, but at any minute they can pop up and. Isn't it something how some guys can keep pitching like with it? Maddox, like Ari Dickey didn't even have a ligament. And, and Maddox had a torn, had a partial tear of his UCL, UCL, and a lot of guys would have had Tommy John. He kept pitching for years with that. Yep. I pitched the whole season in 2012 with it. You know, we did an MRI in May. And Bubba told me, he was like, you know, you're getting out. I know it's bothering you a little bit, but if, if you go in there, you never know how you're going to come back from it. And when he said, you don't know how you're going to come back from it, I was like, you're right. I'm having a good season. Yeah. Let's just ride this thing through. And I finished the year really strong. And then the next spring is when it popped up. You know, I heard the Maddox stuff later after the fact, but it explained a lot about why he was getting those one-year deals every year at the end of his career. Yeah, Because teams are doing MRIs. They know, they're fully aware of what's in there. So they're not going to give him a long-term deal. You can't even insure it. But they, still, they sure want him on their team. Yep. So they're willing to risk a big salary for one year. Yeah. You know, I would think, I mean, what if you did a full body MRI on Charlie? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. All the, everybody that's pitched 10 years in a big leagues is going to have partial something, partial tear in the shoulders, elbows, the scar, you know, it's just cause it's such an unnatural motion, uh-huh. especially with a shoulder. So unnatural. And, yeah. and the guys that have that big, you know, that used to call it the W, they used to call it perfect uh, mechanics. And then they realized later, no, it's not perfect at all. The Mark Pryor. This hurts my shoulders to do that. They used to think Mark Pryor had perfect mechanics. Yeah. And then he broke down. And then after the fact, people were looking back on it and going, they know more about the t- the, t- the technology now, the biomechanics. Go, no, those are not perfect mechanics at all. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's funny how things change. But um, uh, the other one yesterday I forgot to mention was the other trade yesterday. They got this lefty, Taylor Hearn, from the Rangers. He's 28, another guy that throws 98 and has had problems with walks big time. But he's got – the stuff is there, and big strikeouts. Uh, he pitched He pitched quite a bit for the Rangers when they were trying to get good again a couple years ago. He was in there for, the, for almost all season, I think. Um, starter and reliever, they're getting him – they're getting him for uh, – they're getting him to, to for relief, but he can he could start a game and give you multiple innings out of the pen, versatile. So they're going to take a shot at him. He's got a great arm still. Uh, he's 28, 5'11 ERA and 92 of games over uh, 25 starts over five seasons. This year only made four relief appearances with the Rangers because they're just so much better now. They got better arms. They brought a lot yeah. of guys. But at AAA this year, he had a 10 2 90 ERA and his four relief appearances. It's too little to even to dissect. Was he starting in AAA? Triple A this year, 24 games, two starts, had a 3.66 ERA, 54 strikeouts, 24 walks, and 39 in the third innings. That's pretty good. That's a lot yeah. of strikeouts. Still too many walks, but guy they're willing to take a shot on again, a guy that they think with their their staff, their, their uh, analytics, their video, they've had some good luck with these reclamation and with these guys that have struggled elsewhere, and they find a, uh, they find a key, a cue, and, and, and something that they're in their mechanics, and so they didn't give up anything to get him, cash, considerations, you know, so they paid him a little bit to get this guy. They gave up nothing to get him. 
and and they DFA Derek Rodriguez to get him. I know the guy that was not doing anything with the Braves. So those are the two you made yesterday. That's you got to have a lefty in your pen. Got to. They he wanted to add some left-handers before the trade deadline because everybody's been hurt or or not performing. A mentor so, for me doesn't count because he's usually throwing right. a full inning, right? You know, or even a, a designated inning. Yeah, they've he's been not playing a with him at all. Yeah, they've been playing with him a lot more. But you need somebody that come in in the sixth and seventh and clean up a mess, even if it's for just a couple hitters. Yeah. So that's where they are. The Braves were off. They were off yesterday. They got two games at Boston. These weird two game series that I hate, uh, and then another day off. So that's a good cha- a good chance for some of their pitchers to get you know some rest and uh, and and not have to uh, go with piecing together the back end of that rotation for for a bit here with the two off days. Uh, Boston's playing a lot better. I know the record overall record's not good, but of course they're getting them when they're playing their best ball of the year. So. Uh, I think they've got this. I think they've got the second best record in the majors since uh, the beginning of uh, July, or since like second week of July. Yeah, beginning of July. So these are not gimmies by any stretch. They're playing much better. Uh, so we'll see what they. We'll see how this goes, and um, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens between now and the trade deadline. I fully anticipate Alex is going to make another move for another reliever. Somebody asked about Josh Hader. Would Grissom and Dodd be enough? No, Dodd's hurt, so no. Uh, San Diego's not taking an injured pitcher, injured young pitcher. And and Grissom, you know, I think he's got a lot of talent, but the, the Padres are going to be able to get more for Hader if they decide to pull the plug. I still am not convinced that the, the Padres are going to go into sell mode because they spent so much money and they're getting packed, they're getting great crowds. And I just think it's so hard to once again wave the white flag, which they've done in, in past years when they've tried rebuilding and it's not worked. They've pulled the plug in midseason. They've got the best vibe going, energy going they've had in forever since forever. they were in Petco. Since yeah. they were in Petco. And uh, it's hard to sell that to fans, especially in a market like that. It's not St. Louis, you know. I mean, there's the Padres. They've worked hard to get those people back in the seats there. And it's hard to tell them, okay, we're giving up on this year, even though we had a huge payroll. We got all this talent on the team. It's just not working. But please buy season tickets for next year. So uh, I thought they were building such a rivalry, you know, with those early yeah. games against the Dodgers last year, packed yeah. house, been in the playoffs. It's like, what happened? It, it'd be really tough to tell those fans that. Yeah. You know, pull they, you, you took the them on a You took them on a great ride last year in yeah. September into October. And that's the the best energy their San Diego baseball's had since they were back at the old stadium and went to World Series. So it's uh yeah that's really hard that's that's a hard sell, so uh they might just have to bite the bullet and 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 hope I mean because they still got all these guys on that team they should be so much better it's not I like they're racked by injuries they I mean they got Tatis and Machado and just so many guys and Soto and then you know Snell and Snell's still there right yeah. Mm-hmm. They got, yeah, they got a squad. I mean, they got they got a team that should be pushing for the division lead for sure, man. So it just doesn't fit. I mean, the, 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 they obviously don't have great chemistry, but they still should be able to put together a run with that roster that they have. And that's a hard sell. And, and I think to get a guy like Hader, who's making $14 million this year, so he's still owed, you know, six. Yeah. You're also going to have to give up prospects if they decide to go that route because there's a lot of contenders that would like to have Josh Hader at the back of their bullpen every contender <laughs> I mean yeah. yeah I mean look what it look what it did to the Mets losing their yeah. closer yeah 
Oh my God! Yeah, it all started with the Mets. Then I'm convinced. That was, I mean, that was the entire year right there. It just set the tone. It's just just awful. We we knew it was awful at the time, but it's been even worse than we could have imagined. What the effect it's had, and they've had so many other guys not perform like they did last year. McNeil, Lindor. Uh, then they pay two four. Then they pay two near forty year old pitchers, forty three million a year. You make the highest two paid the two highest paid pitchers in the majors. You give to two 40-year-old guys. That's, come on. Those were not really good moves, wise moves. They were risky moves. That If they worked, they would have been great for them. But they were so risky. And it's I all I think they could work other places, but I think it's just something yeah. about New York. It's a tough, it's a tough, tough environment. And I'm not saying it's the guy's character. I'm just saying there's just so much shit going on. Yeah. And I, and I, and people were wondering about Scherzer and, and, uh, Verlander, they've each got no full, no trade. That's the other thing. So they got full, no trades and they're owed so much money. And Scherzer has been up and down. I mean, I don't, you don't even know what you're getting. So I don't think even if he would agree to a trade, I don't know who's going to pay for his money. Plus give up prospects to get him. Verlander. Well, I think yeah. Just be buying better. them. Honestly, you know, however much of their contract you're paying. So I don't I don't see those guys going anywhere at the deadline, but uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. They're they're a non-factor in the East. Uh the Bra- the East is done. I mean, the Braves are going to win the East. It's just a matter of the Braves are looking beyond that. They want to be they want to be healthy and deep going into the postseason because they bit them last year not being going in limping with a couple of injured or ailing starters backfired and not having the depth that uh, they want to avoid that this year because they're having too great a season to not make a deep run. It's too good a team. I mean, they this team this team should get at least needs to get to the World Series to have a really great successful year. I think. I mean, the way they played, you know, it's not like last year where you're hoping they get to the postseason. They've been right in charge the whole year. Yeah. So barring big injuries, I mean, yeah. anything can happen. I mean, if you lose, uh, I'm not going to mention lose, names. Yeah. If you mention a couple of the uh, one or two of those guys, it changes everything in the in the in the lineup. It's even as deep as the lineup is. There are a couple of guys that are crucial to that lineup, yeah. one in particular. So, but barring that, and everybody, and just about every team can say that too, though. You know, look at the Yankees without Aaron Judge. They're just meh. Yeah, yeah. it's just, that's just something that you can't do anything about at the deadline. Right. You know, right. there's certain guys that are, there's nothing you could do to even come close to preparing to lose them. That's why I but, think it would be nice to be able to rest a couple of those guys down the stretch. I mean, you can't avoid injuries by resting guys because they're going to get – you might rest them one day and they get hurt the next day. You know, fluke things happen. You can't – you're going to pull hamstrings and stuff, but I think you do lessen the chance at least slightly when they when they get an occasional rest down the stretch. But who knows? Yeah, and then just playing well too and fatigue and stuff. I mean, you, yeah. you, you do want your team going into the postseason fresh as possible. Yeah. As possible it is – after playing 162 game season, but I mean, we talked about. It. I think that kind of hurt him last year, <laughs> chasing the Mets down for four months, basically. That sweep here was the postseason. The, that felt like a postseason series. The emotional, yeah. uh, the energy expanded was a, a postseason series. That sweep yeah. of the Mets that felt like the season peaked, and the atmosphere was like that. Then they go to Miami, and it's just like, oh, come down like this. And yeah. they had to, and they still hadn't clinched. They had to technically win a game in Miami to clinch, but. They felt by catching the Mets, it was over. And then you had basically an entire week until you started the postseason. And they yeah. just could not flip the switch and restore that. Uh, and then when you're starter, you know, Max Fried was not the same. 
coming off the illness and and Spencer Strider was not the same coming yeah. off a month on the IL with the with the oblique. By then, it's funny we analyze all that and think you know that the whatever took it out of them the the chasing the mess down and then you're like well actually if if Max and Strider just did what they do right it's a, a perfect storm yeah maybe nobody was tired <laughs> and then you're in Philly which their ballpark was as loud as any ballpark is yeah. ever going to be when Philly took that series home. Phillies yeah. and the Phillies did, really didn't get hot until that series. They barely got by the first round, barely got in the postseason. But against the Braves, they got some huge hits. And then yeah, next series did. too. So anyway, all right, that's it. We'll do this again uh, uh, after the Boston series as we get closer to the trade deadline. Cool. Appreciate it, everybody. Thanks. Seven fifty-five is real. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.